Cool, Jesus. Okay, so yeah, we're starting a new series tonight. And this series is going to be covering the foundations of the faith, right? The core pillars of the faith. Because we're looking to create kingdom culture. The kingdom of God and its culture, we want to bring that here to earth. You guys like that? Yeah. I want that. <laughs> Imagine that, the kingdom of heaven here. Um, that's cool. That's Jesus' plan. On earth as it is in heaven, right? Um, so each week, we're going to be looking at a different topic that's going to help us establish these key pillars in creating this kind of kingdom culture. Because Jules and Holly have an idea of what the kind of church they want to build. But you can't do that without talking about the key concepts that you need to build culture. You can't. What, what, like, for example, one of them tonight is God is good. That's the one I'm going to be doing. What if everyone in the church didn't believe that? Well, it's going to be hard to get everyone to in that culture. Do you know what I'm saying? God is good has to be living and breathing within us. If you don't, if you've got doubts about God is good, it's going to be hard for that culture to actually come through. Does that make sense? People want to walk in here and feel, oh, God's good. Does that make sense? They want to see your face and go, oh, God's good. Because it's just part of you. You know what I'm saying? So teaching's part of that. It's not the whole thing, but it's part of it. Um, so what we're going to do is... Yeah, so we had a group on, on um, Monday nights the past three months or so. We went through a course together, uh, a few of the, the leaders here. And what we're going to do is each week, we're going to take one of those uh, key concepts. I think there was 12 of them. It was a Beth, Bethel created course. And we're going to teach them to everyone. And everyone's going to uh, teach, not everyone, but a lot of, a lot of the leaders are going to teach a topic that they're passionate about. So for me, God is good. That's a, that's a big one. So I'm going to start with that one. But then every week it's going to be a different teacher. So stay tuned on that. Um, Jesus. And it's cool because everyone is going to be able to... Uh, everyone's going to be able to see a different, a different topic of God's heart that's touched someone's heart in this church. Does that make sense? So for example, God's touched my heart with God is good. And you're going to hear that from me tonight. So every single week you're going to hear someone's personal topic pillar of God that God has touched their heart and they're going to share that with us welcome guys get in out of the cold how cold is it hey you guys like my beanie <laughs> yeah thank you I feel like the mustard goes with the denim do you reckon yeah thank you so much um, appreciate it um, I got this beanie in Europe when I was traveling last year so it's good quality I think um, Okay, Jesus. So we're going to start tonight with the goodness of God, right? And if you don't see this topic clearly, you may as well just go home and not come to any more teaching nights because if you don't see that God is good, what the heck is the point of this whole thing? If God's bad, then you should run away. <laughs> Does that make sense? Why the heck would you want to be in a relationship with someone who's not good? You don't, you don't pick friends that aren't good people to you, right? It's the same thing with God. Like you, and especially if you want to draw close to Him, like if you want to draw close to God, how can you draw close to Him if you don't think that He's good? Because if you don't think that He's good, then you won't trust Him. And if you don't trust Him, then you won't give Him your heart. And if you don't give Him your heart, then you can't be close to Him. Does that make sense? It's about being able to give your heart, but you can only give your heart to people that you trust. So if you don't genuinely trust God, then you genuinely won't draw near. So this is a really big topic. Um, yeah, this is a really big topic. Perhaps one of the biggest of all time and one of the most controversial as well, surprisingly. 
Um, so I've, I've preached on this topic before in the first teaching that I did a couple of years ago. I did two nights on that. So um, yeah, if, if, I'm not going to repeat all that stuff because you guys can just go and listen to that. Um, but I'm going to rehash some of it tonight. Um, Jesus, so as I said then two years ago and as I'll say now, if you don't understand that God is good, you won't even want to draw near to Him because you won't trust Him. You won't even want it. It just won't even be a desire in your heart because why would you, why would you want that? Does that make sense? You'll just want other things in life. You'll just want to go play video games. You'll just want to go to the beach. You won't even want to draw near to Him. So this is, this is big. So let, tonight I'm just going to flesh this whole thing out. And if you don't think that God is good, you might think that you think God is good, but then tonight you might realize, no, nah, I don't really think that He's good. Um, and that's going to give you a chance to actually process through those, through those thoughts. Because you might try to draw near to Him out of some sort of religious obligation, right? So this is, this is like the environment that I grew up in. Growing up in a, in, in a religious environment, in, in Christianity, and everyone goes, oh yeah, I love God. Yeah, I draw near to God. Yeah, I'm intimate with God. I'm personal with God. But then your life doesn't tell that story. So then, so then you're not. Does that make sense? If, if, if you say, oh, I, I love God, I, I, I'm so close to Him, I, I have a personal relationship with Him, and then you spend most of your time watching TV and going to the beach, then, then you don't. Do you know what I'm saying? So you've you, you got to be careful of the language here. Don't just listen to people's language. It has to be backed up by their life. Does that make sense? So you might even think, oh yeah, of course I know God is good. But do you explode in your heart at His goodness? So that's where I feel like there's a bit of a divide within Christian circles. Because everyone goes, yeah, God's good, God's good, man. Bless you, God's good. But then not everyone goes, oh my goodness, who the hell would send their son to get crushed? Why, why would he do that? Why does he care? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you feel that? There's a difference between, yeah, God's good, and oh my goodness, he's ridiculously good. So I want to take you from A to B tonight. Um, yeah. Because if, if you don't truly explode from your heart at the goodness of God, you will be far from Him because you deep down won't like Him. But you'll still claim that you know Him because it keeps you in the circle. Yeah, Jesus. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you tonight how critical it is that you understand this topic deep within your heart. Tonight's big idea is this. Your heart must understand and believe that God is truly good. Your heart must understand and believe that God is truly good. Don't just have the language. Don't just have the thoughts. Yeah, I guess he's kind of good. Deep down, living and breathing, you're thinking about the goodness of God and exploding at his goodness. Does that make sense? Anyone? Yeah? yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the reason why I, I want that is because every other topic in Christianity is going to be filtered through this one. So if you, if you genuinely just deep down don't actually believe that God is good and then you hear some commands thrown at you even in the New Testament, you'll probably believe something like, oh, I must do them or he's going to smite me. See how your, your, your vision of is God good or is God bad actually affects how you read the Bible? It's a really key thing. So that's why you need to live and breathe that God is good. Explode in your heart that God is good. Jesus. Yeah. 
I got a quote I'm going to read out in a second. I'm so excited about it. I can just see it coming up in the notes. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to read that out. <laughs> it's a bit of anticipation, yeah? yeah. <laughs> it's by C.S. Lewis. Yeah. He's a good man. So, deep down in your heart, if you're not convinced that God is good, sooner or later, it's going to come out. Sooner or later, it's going to come out and it, you'll quite easily turn away from Him when something goes bad. Have you noticed that with people? Sometimes they're like, oh, it's a frothing Christian, like worship night every single week. Then something goes bad in their life and they just turn away completely. It's like, how could you do that? Like, let's just say that, you know, I actually felt like my relationship with God was like as close as I am to my wife. How on earth could I go through marriage for five years with my wife, have a fight with her, then turn my, turn my back and just walk away completely? It would mean I was never in love with her. I never gave myself to her. I just said, yeah, I'm married. I'll, I'll do the marriage thing because it's good, right? That's what people do with this thing. They follow Christianity because it's the good thing. It's the right thing. It's whatever. But deep down in their heart, they're just not convinced that God's really good. Because if you are, you're going to give yourself to Him. You know what I'm saying? Because you trust Him. Jesus. Okay. Now you're going to see behind me two options on the board. I'm just going to stand up so everyone can see it. One says, if God is good, then why he let... <laughs> we, we missed the word. Yeah. <laughs> why he be letting evil things happen? <laughs> um, that's one side. So, sorry. If God is good, then why does he let evil things happen? <laughs> if, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> if God is good, then why does he let evil things happen on one side? Then on the other side, if God is evil, then why do he send his son? Right? These are the two states of your mind that you will often find yourselves in. And you'll find yourself in this one a whole lot more. People, I don't really understand this completely why we are like this, but we're just drawn more to the negative. We're drawn, we're drawn more to complaining rather than thankfulness. We're drawn more to... Um, God, give me this, God, give me this, God, give me this, rather than thank you, God, that you gave me this. We're just drawn more to that. So you often, you, you'll find yourself in this. But if God is good, then why is this happening to me? Why do I have no money? Why is my mom sick? You know what I'm saying? The, this, this thought pattern is in every one of our heads. If God is good, then why do you let these evil things happen? Everyone in this room has, has, has faced this thought. But if you just flip it, just purely logically, to that... It just gives this whole new light. If God is evil, then why did he send his son? So everyone finds it so easy to say this one. If God is good, then why does he let evil things happen? Because they love accusing God for some reason. But almost no one ever says that one. Mm. Hang on, if God's evil, then why did he send his son? <laughs> Isn't it just the exact same thing they just flipped? Mm -hmm. It's the exact same question. Just flipped, logically. Um, all right, I'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, <coughs> yes. Now, obviously, one truly understands that God is good, another is just not convinced. And if you're not convinced, or if anyone's not convinced, that's actually all right. It's just not all right if you stay there. You just need to process through that. You just need to figure out why you don't think God is good, and then process through those thoughts, right? Just like the trials talks, yeah? Every time you have a doubt, or a question, or a concern, or whatever, don't just stay there. 
process, why do you feel that way? Why do you think God's bad? It's a good question. Remember what we do with good questions? Put them in the box. Put them in. <laughs> <laughs> True that. Nice. Or raise your hand like Courtney does. <laughs> um, except you didn't do that just then, so. Yeah, that's true. But I'm all right with that too. <laughs> ask them. That's what we do with good questions. You ask them. You don't sit on them. Um, tonight, truly try and process if you genuinely believe God is far better than you imagine. Do you hear what I said? No, you didn't. That's all right. Distractions, beanbags and stuff. Yeah, that's all right. Tonight, truly try and process if you genuinely believe God is far better than you imagine. Right? Because everyone goes, yeah, he's good. But do you actually deep down think he is far better than I imagine and you live in that place? Because a lot of us may not. That's all right, but we can get there. Um, and it's key that we get there. Now, honestly, um, getting close to that quote every time I scroll. Um, <laughs> now, honestly, this is a controversial topic. Um, it, it does honestly raise lots of questions and doubts and concerns and different theologies and perspectives. And, and, and many different churches have parted ways on this particular topic. Does God do this or does God do this? And church A goes this way, church B goes this way. So as you're going to hear tonight's topic and theology, and I really hope that Jules and Holly agree with what I'm saying, I was a little bit screwed. Um, <laughs> um, you're going to see that this church is going one particular way. It's not going this way or that way. We're going this way with this topic. Does that make sense? And so last time I preached on this, so many people have come up and spoke to me about that talk, about God is good back in uh, 2017. It was, it was just a game-changing night it was just weird just weird stuff was happening that night first of all the, the room was absolutely packed it was like the most packed teaching night ever and and that wasn't that this isn't all, all i'm saying about that talk right now it's not about me it's about what god was doing in that environment because i remember feeling like i was just so amped to do that talk and then even jason prophesied over me that night that as i was doing that talk i need to speak it strong so that i that i cut off this um this snake's head because it was like you need to just cut it and I was like, oh, okay, hectic. That's why I preached really strong that night, if you go listen to it. And, it, and what it did was, it, it just did some stuff in the spirit. I can't quite figure out exactly what it did, but it just established this environment. It was like, this community is going this way. It, like, it is so easy to live right here in this negative mindset, not truly believing God is good in your heart. But this community is going after, no, God is far better than you imagine. And it's hard. It's hard to actually get there because you've got to process through lots of different questions and theologies and all this sort of stuff. Um, and that was actually the, the first time that Jules and Holly came to teach tonight as well. And Holly shared with me um, as well that when she walked in there, you can, you can clarify this if this is wrong, but you said that God gave you this peace that I'm at home. I'm at home. Walking into this community, walking into teaching night that night was like, I'm at home. I've been at different churches for all this time. I'm finally home. So in, in many ways, that's kind of like that night is a little bit how this community started, I guess. I don't know if that's fair to say, or at least it was a big, you know, milestone moving forward. So that's why this, this topic is crazy. Like this topic is, it's environment setting. It's atmosphere enabling. It's just strong. It's really powerful. Because um, you can shy away with this stuff and not want to deal with the whole sovereignty of God thing because everyone gets kind of freaked out by that topic. 
But if, you, if you're brave enough to deal with it, and I think this church is, then you really do establish yourself. I, I, I'm talking so spiritual right now, but I don't fully understand what I'm saying. I just know what I experienced. <laughs> it's just that, that that night was so weird. Like so many comments I had from that talk, so many sh- people shared that talk all over. It was just so strange. Um, it, just, it just really did something. I, I don't, yeah, I can't quite figure out what it is, but it's special. It's a very special topic. That's why it's good that we're starting this topic on this, sorry, starting this series on this topic. Yeah. So this is a very special spiritual topic and to truly go after the goodness of God as we're doing, saying that he's far better than you can imagine and trying to prove it despite all opposition is a very special and unique thing. It's not overly common in Christian circles. It's just not. You, what I'm going to say tonight, you're just not going to hear that often in Christian circles. It's just a bit too controversial. It's a bit too hard. It makes people too upset. And so they leave and churches split. It's just reality. <laughs> it's just controversial. Um, it shouldn't be, but it just is. Um, yeah, so I think this topic is a game changer and an environment setter. It establishes a unique spiritual atmosphere. And yeah, like I said, I don't know how to explain it. It's just what I've noticed. All right, here's my quote. You ready for this one? It's a long one. It's a good one. So this is this is from the very this is from the this is the very first thing that C.S. Lewis writes in his book called The Problem of Pain. Um, so he's trying to deal with the whole question of why is there suffering in the world, like basically dealing with this topic that I'm dealing with tonight. And he opens his book like this. He's such a boss to open his book like this. I freaking love it. So how, how good how good is this? Ready? Ready? Just here we go. All right. <laughs> Not many years ago, when I was an atheist, so he was an atheist, became a Christian, right? J.R. Tolkien, the, Lord of, uh, the writer of Lord of the Rings, helped convert him to Christianity. Yeah. So, not many years ago, when I was an atheist, if anyone had asked me, why do you not believe in God? My reply would have run something like this. Look at the universe we live in. By far, the greatest part of it consists of empty space, completely dark and unimaginably cold. The bodies which move in this space are so few and so small in comparison with the space itself that even if every one of them were known to be crowded as full as it could hold with perfectly happy creatures, it would still be difficult to believe that life and happiness were more than a byproduct to to the power that made the universe. As it is, however, the scientists think it likely that very few of the suns of space, perhaps none of them except our own, have any planets. And in our own system, it is improbable that any planet except the Earth sustains life. And Earth herself existed without life for millions of years and may exist for millions more when life has left her. And what is it like while it lasts? It is so arranged that all the forms of it can live only by preying upon one another. In the lower, for- in the lower forms, this process entails death. But in the higher, there appears a new quality called consciousness, which enables it to be attended with pain. The creatures cause pain by being born, by being born, and by and live by inflicting pain. And in pain they mostly die. In the most complex of all creatures, man, yet another quality appears, which we call reason, whereby he is enabled to foresee his own pain, which henceforth is preceded with acute mental suffering, and to foresee his own death while keenly desiring permanence. It also enables men, by a hundred ingenious contrivances, don't know what that word means, to inflict a great deal more pain than they otherwise could have done on one another and on the irrational creatures. This power they have exploited to the full, 
Their history is largely a record of crime, war, disease and terror, with just sufficient happiness interposed to give them, while it lasts, an agonized apprehension of losing it. And when it is lost, the poignant memory of remembering. Every now and then they appear, sorry, every now and then they improve their condition a little and what we call a civilization appears. But all civilizations pass away and even while they remain, inflict peculiar, <coughs> uh, peculiar sufferings of their own, probably sufficient to outweigh what alleviations they may have brought to the normal pains of man. That our own civilization has done so, no one will dispute. That it will pass away like all its predecessors is surely probable. Even if, even if it should not, what then? The race is doomed. Every race that comes into being in any part of the universe is doomed. For the universe, they tell us, is running down and will sometime be a uniform infinity of homogeneous matter at a low temperature. All stories will come to nothing. All life will turn out in the end to have been transitory and senseless contortion upon the idiotic face of infinite matter. If you ask me to believe that this is the work of a benevolent and omnipotent spirit, I reply that all the evidence points in the opposite direction. Either there is no spirit behind the universe, or else a spirit indifferent to good and evil, or else an evil spirit. How is that for an intro to a book? And he's... <laughs> I just love that. I, I, don't, I don't love that because of like the, the sheer hopelessness of that. <laughs> I love that because he's just so real. Like that, he's just calling it how he sees it. He's not shying away from it. He goes, but that is what is happening. That's scientific, physical fact. It's, it's a pretty bleak out, uh, outlook on life, but it is still life. Nothing that he said wasn't true. Now, this is what I love to do. I love to dig myself into a deep, deep, deep hole create the counter argument to myself and then try and dig myself out because when I do dig myself out you'll realize that I understood the counter argument and still think it's dumb. Does that make sense? That's how you write a good essay. That's how you, that's how you, that's how you do anything, write a good book. Tell me the counter argument and say yeah it's still dumb. I've heard the whole thing, it's dumb. I'm going on this way. God is far better than you can imagine. <laughs> um, Jesus. And so if you guys are interested in that book like, if that's the intro to a book, that book is going to be amazing, right? <laughs> he's saying, if I used to, it, when I was an atheist and you asked me why I was an atheist, this is my answer. Well, then he must have the answer to all those things that he used to think inside that book. The Problem of Pain. It was written in like 1940 or something. Jesus. Okay, I love that quote. Maybe you guys didn't love it as much as me, but I loved it. <laughs> you liked it? <laughs> that's good. Um, the reason I read that out is because every single day we all face thoughts of doubting whether or not God is good because honestly life is tough and evil things happen. Life is tough and evil things happen every single day. Straight up, pure evil happens and it's happened to every single person in this room. Evil has happened. If you've ever been sick, that's evil. That's come from hell. That's come from Satan. Does that make sense? And everyone here has been, been sick or been bullied or been shunned or been all these different things. Evil happens to us. Um, and yet I'm still about to tell you a whole talk about how pure goodness is the mastermind behind all of what we see. So it's kind of a ridiculous thing. If, you, if you're going, but life is like this, Nate. But life is like this. It's so hectic, bad, evil, and whatever. And I'm claiming that the, the source behind life is the ultimate source of pure goodness and life. It's a bit ridiculous. So we've got to kind of like 
if, if that's there and this is here, we've got to kind of bring them together. Does that make sense? Life and God, there is a connection. Jesus. I'm just, I'm honestly, I'm not interested in telling you that God is good while not dealing with the idea that there's true evil in the world. Does that make sense? That's how I'm going to tell you that God is good, by explaining evil. Because then you won't blame him for it. I want you to understand tonight that I get that this is a very hard topic to process, especially if you're someone who's had a lot of evil and hardship come their way. And especially, again, if you prayed that that wouldn't happen and it still did. It's tough. I know people like that. They prayed one thing over and over and over again and then it ha- the thing that they were praying against happened. What do you do with that? That's very difficult to process. This topic is difficult. Um, yeah, sometimes it is very, very difficult to see that God is truly good. Um, so here's some thoughts that I've faced my whole life, hopefully you guys can relate, um, about whether or not God is good. You guys know that story about how Jesus goes to the, the pool of the five colonnades and he, uh, th- there's like the water that gets stirred up and there's the lame guy that's been laying there for 38 years. So it says in that scripture, right? Every now and then an angel of the Lord would come down and stir the waters and then the first person in would be healed of whatever they had, right? So when I, when I read something like that, I'm just like, this is my natural mind still processing is God really good, right? I'm reading that, I'm going, hang on. So every now and then angel of the Lord, the angel of God comes down, starts stirring the water and one person gets to be healed. It happens just every now and then. If I was God, probably just get that angel working full time, stirring, and everyone who can get in the water will be healed. But that's not what the Bible says. So what do you do? It's a good question. Yeah, you wait 38 years and then still no one helps you in. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and you know what that is? That's this. God, why aren't you stirring the water all the time? 24-7. How come you're not doing that, God? Why is there evil in the world? Okay. <clears throat> God rescues the Israelites from Egypt, right? Yay, God. Thanks, thanks God, for rescuing the, the Israelites from Egypt. But did you know that God um, made them go through 400 years of slavery under a brutal dictator before he rescued them? So if, so if I was God, I was like, um, how about we just rescue them on day zero before 400 years of slavery under a brutal dictator? Anyone? Did God not think of that? Why did God make them go through 400 years of slavery? And then he rescued them. <laughs> or, what about this, right? You hear this a lot in like uh, kingdom churches. You hear testimonies where someone prays two years for healing and then God just comes and heals them one night. How come they had to pray for two years for healing? Didn't God heal them on the first one? How come God didn't come on night number one? Why did God come on night number 836 where the same prayer was prayed over and over again? (laughs) Why God? Why? Why did you wait that long? (laughs) Is it too hard for you? (laughs) Um, And also this one. Hopefully you guys know that... um, me and Amber are having a baby. Woo! Jesus. Very stoked, very stoked. Um, and we were, ch- we were chatting the other day with my mom and she said this funny thing and this is like, this is why it's on topic. I'm not just dropping that for no reason. Um, <laughs> um, mom said, so we were talking about like, a- everyone at home was kind of sick and then mom was saying to, to Amber, oh Amber, you know that you're actually, you're going to be protected because in God's design of pregnancy in the first trimester, there's all these things that protect you from sickness. And she was like, it's just God's design. It's so beautiful. Mm. And my mind instantly goes to, 
Okay, so God can make the pregnancy protect the mother in the first trimester, but not in trimester number two and trimester number three? <laughs> Is it really that hard to put it in all three? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the mom's just like, oh, God, she's so amazing. I'm just like, but there's two trimesters where she's unprotected. <laughs> Does anyone relate with these thoughts or is it just me? Yeah? yeah. Good. Um, so now you can start to see that even with me processing just some of these basic questions with you, you instantly start to see that the whole point of contention is the sovereignty of God and His involvement or lack thereof in the earth. That's the whole thing. How involved is God in the earth? You answer that question, you'll answer all these questions. How involved is he? Is he to blame for things that happen that are happening or not? Can you blame God? Can you not blame God? Do he do something? Do he not do something? What did he do? What doesn't he do? Who knows? <laughs> now, at this point, don't you just want to know how God is good? Aren't you just desperate for me to just be like, I'm just going to show you how it is? Because everyone's just like, Can, yeah, exactly. I, I do think that way. And I do think, think that he's bad. And he could have been doing this and all these things. Nath, can you remind me how he's good again? Can you show me how he's good? <laughs> this is how, this is like the thoughts that go on in my head. I'm just like bounce between these, these two sides all the time. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, show me how he's good, Nath. Show me how he's good. All right, I will. Um, <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to deconstruct the lies that allowed this platform to exist. Does that make sense? So the left-hand side, if God is good, then why he let evil things happen? <laughs> that's built on a platform. That's built on a premise that you can actually accuse God of doing something that he should have been doing. Because if he should have been stopping evil things from happening, right? Then you can say, hey God, how come you're not letting evil, why, why are you still letting evil things happen? You said you, they weren't going to. That's a fair enough question. If he, takes, if he takes responsibility for that. But what I'm going to do is that's built on what's called a lie and I'm going to break that lie so that you can't ever accuse God of being evil. Does that make sense? And then all that's left is that, that side of things. All right, let's do that. So we've got to start at the beginning because it's a foundational thing. Um, but I like starting at the beginning. At the beginning, it's good. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to show you, guys, that God is all-powerful and perfectly good but the existence of evil does not make those two things untrue. So I'm going to show you that God is all-powerful and perfectly good, but the existence of evil does not make those two things untrue, right? So let's start to build this perspective. So let's go back to the beginning. So God created the universe and everything in it out of an overflow of love in his heart. Have you ever heard people, have you ever, sorry, have you guys ever heard people say, oh, God just made humans because he was lonely. God just made humans because he was just bored and he just wanted someone, someone, someone just to torment and do, play funny sin games and tree games and stuff with because he's just bored and because he's, he's just bored and insecure. Um, I've heard people say that and it's one of the dumbest things in the world um, because that's not what God did. So God created all humanity. God created you out of the overflow of joy in his heart. Why? Well, it's the same desire that you guys have to create children. You just want to overflow out of joy, out of your own heart to love that child and, and bless them with the good things of life. Isn't that what everyone in this room wants? If you want to be a parent one day, you, your joy comes from just loving that child. That's it. You're just going to love them. And for some reason, you're like, you'll go through so much pain and agony and all this sort of stuff just to get to that end. You're so passionate about it. Well, that's because that's God's heart. So God is a sharer. 
he created the universe and everything in it to share, right? So that means that God's good, at least so far he's good. Jesus, he didn't want to keep all of the goodness to himself. He wanted to share it with children that he loved, just like what we do. Um, we have children, or at least I hope we do, to love them and to share the goodness and blessings of life with them. Um, yes. Yep, yep, yep. And you can see that in the garden. So in the garden, in the beginning of the Bible, in the foundations, in the core, in the root, in the heart of God, is it a good picture or is it a bad picture? At least, where did we start? It's good, right? He creates a garden with a man and a woman who are just automatically content. They're not striving for anything. They're not lying and deceiving each other. They're not fighting against each other. They're just happy because they're just like him. He creates replicas of himself, mini versions of himself to walk over the earth, to rule over the earth, to name all the animals because they have creative freedom, to live and to exist and to try all the fruits and all the food that he made. Is that, is that a good God or a bad God? Is that this side or is that side? At least so far, where are we at? We're on this side, yeah? Good, okay. Just tell me where he swaps to that side, yeah? That'd be good. <laughs> um, okay, so he creates an amazing environment for the man and the woman to live and to coexist. Um, there is so much freedom they can name the animals whatever they want. So it's not whatever God says. He's not some ruling dictator. God puts them in the, in the garden and goes, yeah, whatever you want to call that animal over there, that's its, that's its name. You get that. Does God believe in your creative freedom? He must. Why else did he give Adam that job? That's fun, don't you reckon? Naming the animals whatever you want. And God goes, cool, that's its name. Thank you so much for naming it. <laughs> Um, and they can just live and work and rest in the garden as God has created them. It was true life in abundance from day one. There's no angst, there's no pain, there's no trouble, there's no doubt, there's no fear. There's just life with God in peace. So what do you think God intended? Did, did God intend evil or did God intend good? Good, right? And on top of all that, he gave us charge to rule over the earth in dominion over all other living creatures. Now, this is a very, very key point. God gave man dominion over the earth, over the land to work and subdue it, over everything in creation, including all other creatures, including the serpent that later comes into the story. God gave man dominion. Now, this is why he gave man dominion. Because if God's going to create images of himself, they must be able to do what God can do, right? It's actually not all right in God's heart for him to create creatures that look like him, but don't function like him. Does that make sense? So if he just creates man to live in a garden and eat fruit all his life and sleep and then wake up and do it all over again, does God do that? No, I don't think so. God works, God builds, God's in charge, God, make, God makes decisions, God chooses. Does that make sense? So God has to give man dominion over the earth or at least something. Because if man is not ruling, then man is not like God. Does that make sense? If man is not ruling, then man is not like God because God rules, right? Jesus. Does God have free will, by the way? He does? Interesting. That must mean that man has to have free will as well. 
It must. If, God, if man does not have free will, then they do not accurately represent their father, their image bearer. They, they, don't, they don't image each other. They're, they're actually different creatures because one has free will and one doesn't. So, if God, so th this, is where, this is where the quote-unquote risk comes in. If God's going to give dominion to man and God's going to give free will to man and if God's going to give man the ability to love and to choose to not love because that's how love exists because the fact that you can choose it or not choose it, right? Can't exist any other way. Then God has to be okay with whatever decision man makes with that dominion, right? Sorry, he doesn't have to be okay with it. He has to understand that they can choose what they want. Otherwise, it's not true dominion, not true choice, and not true free will, and not true love. And without, without love, love is the core of who God is, right? Without love, we are nothing. 1 Corinthians 13 says, if you have no love, you're nothing. You are nothing. You need love, right? Love is the force and the energy of life, the point of life. The point of life is to love, to love God, to be loved by God, to love others, right? Without love, you don't accurately represent God at all. You don't represent any part of him. If you're just a robot, if you had no choice, you had no dominion, you had no free will, you had no ability to love, if you had no opportunity to worship Satan, then you can never worship God and love God and choose God and image God. You can't. It's just not possible. Try and make a system where it works. <laughs> it doesn't work. So that's why God plants a tree in the garden of abundance of trees of abundance of fruit and food and everything and animals and everything. He just plants one little tree. It's not, it's not the center and the fo focal point of the garden, but the tree does have to be there, right? Because if the tree is not there, then man has no choice but to do whatever God wanted, right? He doesn't have a choice. But if he has an opportunity to obey or disobey God, now we keep this perfect relationship of him in charge and us both having free will intact. No tree, you don't get that. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's starting to see this picture because a lot, a lot of this argument is built on the idea, well, why do you even put the tree there in the first place? Why do you even do that? You, you, you understand that without the tree, without free will, without love, none of this was even worth it to God. The whole, the whole point of him creating children as we want to create children, is to love them. You can't love robots. You, you can't love people that don't have a choice but to love you back. No one in this room will be content with that. If I'm like some computer genius and I make a robot for you that looks like a human, functions like a human, but I, I commanded it to love you, would you be content with that? <laughs> Literally, the worst thing in the world. <laughs> Why would you want that? The thing that makes it good is that they want to be with you. Does that make sense? Can you see this? You need this in creation. You need this in humans. Or none of it, just none of it works. Yeah. So, God did not put the tree in the garden because he's evil. God put the tree in the garden because he's good. Right? He wasn't hiding something from you. He was... No, it's not going to work. I'm going I'm to abandon that sentence. Hiding it for you, but it just didn't really work with what I meant. Um, I'm just going <laughs> to drop that sentence. Just, you know, pull it how it is. <laughs> Cut my losses. Move on with the talk. <laughs> um, it's all right. <laughs> um, I'll just keep moving. Thanks, Jess. <laughs> um... Yeah, so God put the tree there because he is good. So here's what the tree does. 
The tree allows the powers at B to stay the way that they are. Man, man did not plant the tree and tell God not to touch it, right? Did man plant the tree and tell God not to touch it? No. no. Why? Because God's in charge, right? And that's how it should be. God planted it and told man not to touch it because he's in charge. He makes the rules and that's the way it should be. If the tree wasn't there, then you can't get that, right? The only way you can get rewarded for doing something right is to have the opportunity for doing something wrong. Um, number two, the tree allows for us to choose between God and Satan genuinely from our own hearts. If the tree wasn't there, there's no way Satan could have tempted them because then there was no way for them to sin. God doesn't want you to follow Satan, but he'll respect your decision if you do. Make sense? Number three, the tree allows for free will and true love to exist. If there was no tree, there was no way to choose against God, which means literally the only option man would have would be um, sorry, the only option man had would be to choose God in every part of his life, which means he has no real choice in the matter, making it a forced relationship and then therefore not true love. If I force my wife to love me, would she truly love me? No. Forcing love is evil, not good. You guys hear what I'm saying? Jesus, I'm excited. Um, yes, as you can see, God planting the tree is not evil, it is good. Um, and did God know that man would take the, take the fruit of the tree? Yes. Does that now make it evil because he knew? No. Why? Because Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. Do you know what that means? It means that God, while he was planning his creation in his, in his thoughts, in his head, going, okay, I want to make image bearers and I want them to image me. Perfectly. They won't be me, but they'll look exactly like me just because they're my children. They'll love like me, they'll rule like me, they'll be like me. And I'll love them and they'll love me. And that'll be awesome, that'll be joyful, right? And Jesus pipes in the background going, but God, if you want to do that, then you're going to have to give them a chance to disobey you, right? And what if they do disobey you? What's going to happen then? Well, then they're going to die because they're not going to be like me. They chose to go against me, which means if you choose against life, then you choose for death, right? So then, then they're going to start to die. So what are we going to do, God? Well, I reckon... Good question, Jesus. Um, God's not actually like this. I'm just acting. Um, <laughs> he already knew, right? But he's like... It's, it's like this. Just before he said, let there be light, he's like, okay, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to say, let there be light. I'm going to create the universe. I'm going to create everything. Put man in it. He's going to choose the tree. Jesus, you know that, that when that happens, the only thing we can do is to send you down to pay for their sins, right? I'm going to have to crush you. There's literally no other way. Otherwise, we're going to take their free will from them. That's going to ruin the whole thing. Why would we want that? You know what I'm saying? Jesus goes, yeah, I'll go down. It'd be awesome. We'll get to know, we'll get to know them. Be in a relationship with them. How sick would that be? That'd be totally worth it. God's like, 100%. I'm going to have to crush you though. I'm going to have to crush you. And God goes, Jesus goes, that's all right. Let's do it. Let there be light. Boom! And it all starts. <laughs> Jesus King. Okay. <clears throat> Jesus. God must have thought it was worth crucifying his son to save the people who rebelled against him before he even created them. Before they even existed. Right? He loved them. My wife's having a baby. Doesn't matter what that baby comes out as. I already love him slash her. <laughs> Does that make sense? I, I don't even know them. Her? You reckon? 
I, I more want a girl than a boy, but I'll happily accept a boy. Um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> hey, God created me like this. Don't blame me. <laughs> um, time will tell if you're correct, and time will tell. Um, and, and, and if you're having a boy, maybe our children can get married one day. That'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> arranged marriage, maybe. Um, <laughs> But you guys get the point, right? My baby ain't even born yet. I already love them. I have no idea who they are or what they're gonna be like, because it, it doesn't matter. Why, why would I care? I mean, I do care, but why would I care? Does that make sense? I just love them. It's just automatic. I just, just the thought of them. I, I'm already in love. Does that make sense? That's God. It's totally worth it to get crucified, Jesus. That's why it's the joy set before him. He's walking to get crucified, and Jesus is like, so awesome. Oh my gosh, I get to hang out with Nath one day. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so summarize section one. In the beginning at creation, so far in the story, God is good. Yeah? As far as I can tell, he did not do anything evil there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Good. All right. Number two, the fall. Okay, so here's what happens. The man does taste the fruit of the tree by believing the lie that the serpent tells them. The serpent comes up to the man and says, did you know that God's actually hiding something from you? Did you know that God's actually not good? He actually knows that da, 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 da. you're going to be like him if you take that, right? The first ever lie, the first ever sin was built upon this idea, God's not really good. Does that make sense? God's not really good. He's hiding stuff from you. I know the secret. Do you want to know the secret? He's actually not a good guy. He's not on your team. Don't believe it. Is there, is there any wonder that we have such a struggle believing that God is truly God, good when the first lie, the most powerful lie ever told was that he's not good? That's really the heart of it. Adam and Eve in their head are going, maybe he's not good. Maybe he did actually hide something from us. Maybe, yeah, I actually reckon he did. Based off nothing. Based off the fact that he gave them awesomeness. And for some reason they go, I don't think he's good. I'm going to take that, I'm going to take that fruit. Thanks, serpent, for letting me know the secrets. <laughs> right? Did God do anything bad there by letting the serpent talk to them? No. no. Because he kept, he kept free will intact. Satan had to tempt them so that they could choose God and then be rewarded for, for, for doing so. That's truly loving God. Okay, but as that happens in the fall, as you guys know, a humongous shift happens in the power structures of the earth. A humongous shift happens at that moment in the power structures of the earth. So now I'm, I'm going to draw. It's going to be, I usually draw stick figures and they're much easier than what I'm about to draw. So wish me luck. Pray for me. Um, I don't even have any room. I should plan this bit better. I'll do it down here. Um, okay, let's see if we can do this. So that's Earth, right? Um, that's man. And up here is God. And then, oh, I don't know, let's just say <laughs> the snake. That's a creature, right? 
So, uh, God overall in charge, right? Man underneath God. God, uh, sorry, man over the creature and man over the earth. Make sense so far? Can you see that in the scripture? I'm not making that up, right? I will give them dominion to rule over the beasts of the field and, and the birds of the air. That's what God said. I will give them dominion to do that. So that's, that's how God wanted it, this pattern. What actually happens is this. God's still out here. The earth is still in here. But now... Creature there, man underneath. That makes sense? So section number two and three out of these four sections swapped. So the man was in charge of the, of, of the, of the creatures of the earth, over the earth, and now the creature's in charge of man. Does that make sense? It went from this, God's design, to this, Satan's intention. Does Satan now rule over God? No. Is God still in charge? Yes. But now things can happen on the earth, which were originally given to man, that Satan wants. Make sense? So sin and death comes into the world. So God gave them the world and said, you rule over it. And man goes, cool. With my ruling, I choose to obey the serpent. That's my ruling. And the serpent goes, sweet, you just gave me all power and authority over the earth. <laughs> Cheers for that, because you obey me now instead of God. And now I'm going to rule over you and sin and death is going to come into this system. So man dies, the earth dies, the creature dies, everything dies. Except, except for God, but he'll die later. Um, that makes sense? You guys get that? Hopefully you get it. It's, the most important part is that you see God's position doesn't change. It's, it's, now, it's now not that God is, oh no, I've lost my power. God's always had his power. But you understand that he did give dominion to the man right mm -hmm. he did do that and so if man does have dominion he does have responsibility and choices to make mm -hmm. and he made the wrong one mm -hmm. so should there be consequences for those choices does god have consequences for his choices yes so if, if man is an image bearer of god and god has to bear the consequences of his choices then so does man does that make sense yeah. you can see God did not want that. God actually wanted the opposite of that to happen. God is not evil for putting Satan on the earth. Satan had no power over man until man empowered him by giving him the authority that God gave him. Does that make sense? It's not, it's not God's fault. Man made a stupid error. And you, might, you might think, oh, Adam and Eve, you screwed it for all of us. I can't believe it. I wouldn't have made that decision. Actually, you totally would have. <laughs> because every time you sinned and defended it, in your life, and you've all done that hundreds of thousands of times, you actually just partner with Adam's decision. You do. Adam sinned, Eve sinned, and they all defended it. It's not my fault, God, it's the woman's fault. No, it's not my fault, it's the serpent's fault. They sinned and they defended it. They, they, they went away from God, and they were trying to justify themselves with it, in their own shame. Even though they felt shame, they're trying to justify it. It's just crazy. Does that make sense? You guys following? Yeah? Cool. All right. Now, I'm not going to not going to lie to you. This stuff I don't fully understand. I still don't completely understand how all this stuff works. I just know that's the general gist of it, right? So when God floods the earth, he didn't come to man and say, "Hey, can I flood that earth of yours?" He just flooded the earth. 
right? So God overall is still in charge. But you'll see the way that God works in humanity through all the Old Testament, through the New Testament, through all of history up until now, he, he works in people because people were given the earth. Make sense? So if the, sometimes if the earth is the way it is, then it's our decision. We chose that. Together as a people, we chose that. You guys following? Any questions so far? I know it's getting a little bit question time. We good? Jesus. Just yell them out if you want. Um, okay, okay. So yeah, like I said, a humongous shift in the power happens at this point in the structures of the earth. A, a shift that was never intended to happen, but one that always had the potential to happen because man was put in charge of the earth. And so he was free to make the decisions that he saw fit. Now, um, Satan, who is the serpent, makes an offer to the man and the woman, saying if they eat the fruit, they will become like God, even though they were already like God. So he threatened their identity, their origin, their source, and said, hey, I'll make you improved, I'll make you better. But they were already like God. They just had to remain and be with him, and that would have been enough. And say no to the serpent. Now, if you don't believe me that Satan actually has power, go read Luke um, 4 verse 6 this is Satan speaking to Jesus he says and he said to him Satan said to Jesus I will give you all of their authority that's the kingdoms of the earth I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth and their authority and their splendor because it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want Satan said that Jesus okay now yes Jesus <coughs> Is man allowed to give control to Satan? Yes. Yes. If, God, if, if man is about to give control to Satan, does God have to swoop in and stop it? Mm-mm. No. Because if he did, remember again, he loses the free will. You'll find that even in your life, when you sin, does God rush in the room and stop you? Mm-hmm. No. Cause the, and, and he might speak to you or might do something like that. But the, the point is, is that he wants you to choose him from your own heart. This, this, all of life flows out of your heart, right? You, you, know, you guys know what I'm saying? Um, Jesus. Okay. <clears throat> now, here's a very important thing, right? Consider these power structures, right, of the earth. This means that if God does want to save his people from their own destruction and their own sin that they chose by their own free will and dominion, then he would have to do it through man, right? Because this is what I believe, that when God gave the earth to humanity, he can't, this might sound a bit weird, he can't just take it back. He can't just go against his word and say, oh, that was a bad idea. I, I didn't mean that. I take it back. It's now mine again. He gave it to man. And so now we, now we all have to bear the consequences of that. Does that make sense? When it, the Bible says God cannot lie. But God can do all things, Nath. He can do all things, Nath. <laughs> no, he can't. <laughs> he can't. He can't lie. Try and make God lie. You won't be able to. He can't even make himself lie. There's certain things that God cannot do. He's love. Does that make sense? When he says something, it's said, it's done. That's how powerful his word is. You know when you have like flaky friends and they say, oh yeah, let's hang out on Saturday and then last minute they just cancel. God never does that. Ever. He goes, if he says, I'll see you on Saturday, then you're going to see him on Saturday. That's his word. That's his name. 
he, whatever he says he does, right? So if it's said, it can't be unsaid. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His word stands and holds forever, which means that he will win the earth back and all creation back through the dominion of man, through the rule of man. God is going to work his way out of this problem of losing his people through man. He had to do it through man. Um, and you can see that because the, one of the first things he says after the fall happens is he says to the serpent, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Basically saying there's going to be a descendant of yours, Eve, that the descendant from Eve is going to crush your head, Satan. So a man's coming <coughs> instantly. Instantly. What's God's plan to fix this? A man's coming. Why? Because that's the, that's the system that we live in. A man is coming. It's not God's coming in and, 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 and intervening. God is going to work himself through humanity so that we can retain the image of God, so that we can retain dominion, so that we can retain free will and image him properly. Try and take one of these pieces out. See if you can. You'll lose something. You'll lose something of, of the character of God. You will. God's good. <laughs> God's word never fails. He will win back the world by bringing salvation through his son. That's what, his, that's what he promises straight away. Right? <coughs> I say all of this to say that you can't just stand back and start accusing God or even let this lie live in your mind a little bit. Then why is there evil on the earth, God? Isn't he allowed to ask you that? Didn't he give mankind dominion and choice and will and ability to love didn't he do that <coughs> Jesus saw a lot of evil in his life but never once did he look at it and go I can't believe God let this happen because he didn't think like a man he didn't think like a demon that accuses God those thoughts these thoughts is demonic <coughs> Don't you guys understand that he gave the earth to mankind and that man chose with his own free will to follow sin, Satan and death? Do you guys understand that? Man made that decision. And the rest of the Old Testament is God trying to get man to make the right decision. And they can't. They can't. They just mess it up over and over again. Inherently, something was broken. Deep down, there was like a cog or two missing. It just didn't work. <laughs> Not sustainably anyway. So why, why do we think that there will not be consequences for these choices? Why, why, do we, why do we get dominion, make decisions, and then blame God for the consequences of the choices that we made? Does that make sense? Yeah. If I walked up to Ben, <laughs> punched him in the face, and then blamed Josh for, for doing that, that, would that make any sense at all? <laughs> or if Ben blamed Josh for doing that, sorry, that makes more sense. Yeah. Does that make any sense at all? No, I did it. I should face the consequences. I should pay for his hospital bill or whatever. <laughs> That's how powerful I'd be. I'd put you in hospital. <laughs> um, Jesus. <laughs> he can get him back next time he does a talk. <laughs> okay. 
Why, why do we point the finger back at God? Why do we? What leg do you have to stand on? If this is the system, how can you blame him? Are you going to blame him for creating you? He genuinely intended for you to experience love and the good things of life. And you can see that in Genesis 1-2. He didn't want anything from Genesis 3 onward until Jesus came to happen. He didn't want that. That's not his ideal. Should he take Satan off the earth and put him on Mars so that you're forced to follow God because there's no other option? Should he do that? Should he not have given the earth to mankind, but instead God just makes all of our decisions like a dictator? <laughs> no. Tell me what you think he should do. Tell me a better plan than what God did. Tell me where he's evil. That's all I'm asking. Show me where he's actually evil, where he's selfish and makes decisions that benefit himself and not you. Show me that. I know evil things have happened to you, but show me that's coming from God. Then we'll talk. Jesus. God is good and that is why, that, that's why it's so good we're made in His image because we too can experience His life. It just comes at a great risk if you, if you use those attributes in the, way, in the ways that He wouldn't. If you use the attributes of God that He's given you in the way that He wouldn't, then it comes at great risk. There are consequences and that's why there's evil on the earth and, and not because God ain't good. Summarize. So at the, at the end of the fall of man, God is still good. In fact, God immediately starts planning to crush his son as soon as the fall happens. Gives the man and the woman a chance to explain themselves and said, okay, you went against me, I'm going to have to dish out punishment like I said I would. And then I'm making a plan. My son's coming. He's going to crush the serpent, the one who got you into this mess in the first place. You guys realize that God did not have to do anything after the fall. If I said, don't do something and you did it, I don't have to go and find a way to now fix your problem because you shouldn't have done it. God had actually every right in justice to do that. Does that make sense? But he doesn't want to do that. Do you know why? It's just like if I was a judge and my son was caught doing something criminal and I had to be the one to put him away, I want to put him away, but I don't want to put him away. Does that make sense? I want to put him away because it's just. But I don't want to put him away because it's my son. <laughs> so what do I do? I'm stuck. <clears throat> so this is what God does to fix that problem. Jesus. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. When we sinned, the image of God that was within us was marred so badly that we didn't even really look like God anymore. There's fragments of it there. You can kind of see a faint picture of God in us, but not really. It was so marred. And so what he does is he assesses the situation and starts immediately to make a plan to send his own innocent son to the earth to have him crucified so that the, son, so that the sin can be dealt with in all pure justice and that man can come back to God if they so choose. That's God's plan. Is that evil? Is that an evil plan? Does he like benefits in some sort of selfish way from that? Anyone find anything selfish in that? Okay, good. That's his decision to make. So there's literally no other way that God could, could, could have gotten us back to him. If this is all true, we, that, that's all true, then there's nothing that God could have done to get us back to it. 
because otherwise he'd be unjust. If he just said, I'll just forget about the sin stuff, we'll just come back to me, I'll just delete the serpent and we'll start again. <laughs> <laughs> Control or delete, right? <laughs> it's my code. It doesn't work because then God would know, but you didn't really want to be with me, did you? You didn't really want to be with me. You actually wanted to follow the serpent. So now he goes on this whole journey with humanity. Who really wants to be with me? That's the question. Who really wants to love me and be with me? Huh. If there was another way to solve the sin issue, then God would have done that because it would be cruel to crush your son if you didn't have to, right? Literally the only way that he could have gotten you back is by crushing Jesus on the cross. There was no other way. Um, so God sends his one and only begotten son into the world to be completely vulnerable to the evil of men and Satan. They could do whatever they wanted to him. And Jesus, his son, lives a completely sinless and selfless life, pouring out love, healing and wisdom to everyone who wanted uh, wherever he went and then was ultimately led to the slaughter to pay for a crime he did not do. Did you guys realize that that's your God? Like that your God actually makes decisions like that? <laughs> Happy to go and pay the penalty for something he didn't do. And he knows the person that did it was guilty. And they're making excuses about it. And they don't care. And he's still happy to go and pay the penalty for it. Why? Why do you care? What do you get out of it? What's wrong with you, God? Are you dumb? You're trying to save people that don't want you. Does that make sense? God is so invested in this idea, but I, I reckon some will choose me and some will love me and I'll have a real relationship with them. That's it. That's why he drives him. <laughs> Jesus. Do you know what it says in Isaiah 53.10? That it pleased the Lord to crush his son. Jesus. It pleased the Lord. That's a bit messed up. <laughs> to crush your son and you're just like, yes. That's weird. <laughs> but it's not weird if you get love and you get relationship like what God wants. And Jesus uh, moves forward towards the cross with the joy set before him. The, the impact to him of getting a relationship with real people and real children and real brothers and real family was so overwhelming and overpowering to him that it pushed him through the worst death you can imagine and then facing the wrath of God for something he didn't do. You see how it's just like love just pushing him? That's just what he wants, is just to love people. That's all he intended from the beginning, was just to love people and have them love him back and love each other. And it's this whole amazing system of love. And you can see how sin ruins it because we want something else for some weird reason when perfect love is offered you. <laughs> Jesus. That's how much God the Father and God the Son and also the Holy Spirit love us. Happy to go through the crucifixion. Happy to go through it. Totally worth it. Not even a question for them. <laughs> the worst, most brutal, dark day in, in human history was one of deep joy for God. <laughs> the worst, most brutal, dark day in human history where humans put the most innocent, beautiful person that ever lived on a cross was one of deep joy for God. I bet you don't believe he loves you that much, but he does. 
How many people, just actually think about this question, how many people do you guys actually know that would rather see their own child suffer for a crime they didn't do than see the proven guilty criminal get justice served? Do you know anyone that would go, I know that criminal over there is completely guilty. He's making excuses for it, but we know it's proven it's done. I still would prefer if my son take the punishment. Is that all right? Do you know anyone on this earth that would do that? God does that. <laughs> you guys feeling this? Yeah. <laughs> if you're a Christian, then know that your God is like that. He makes decisions like that. God delights in showing mercy and mercy triumphs over judgment. Those are Bible verses. He likes letting people off the hook. He likes it when as a, as a criminal, they're found guilty and they go, please have mercy on me. He goes, all right, I'll have mercy on you through my son. My son will have to take it, but you can, you can have mercy. <laughs> Jesus. God loves letting people off the hook rather than judging them. It brings him joy. He loves when you bow your knee to King Jesus and ask him for forgiveness for your sins because then God gets to be both just because Jesus paid your penalty for the sin. No one got away with it. And the justifier because now he's declared you righteous as though you never did anything against him in the first place. He's both just and the justifier. That's the only way that you can solve this issue. I want to put my son away, but I don't want to put my son away. I want to save these people, but I can't let them off the hook. The only way is let someone be a representative for your son. I'll take the blame. I, even though I didn't do it, I'll take the blame for all humanity. You guys realize how Adam was basically our representative? We didn't get to choose to take the fruit on the tree or not. Adam did. And so we, got to, we had to pay the penalty for Adam's decision. He represented us. But it's the exact same way that Jesus represents us. One person can represent a whole world of people. Does that make sense? Jesus. God's heart is most clearly seen through his son. You do get a picture of God in the Old Testament that is true, but it's not as accurate as the picture of God that you get in the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, it's kind of murky. It's like, I kind of get what God's like. I think I know what he wants. Most people didn't. David did, Moses did. <coughs> and in the New Testament, you go, oh, it's just Jesus. Whatever, the life that Jesus lived, you're seeing the exact life that you would see if God himself was walking among the people and living and relating and doing work and talking and figuring out issues. That is the exact life that God would live. Was there any time that Jesus in his life did something evil or selfish towards people? Was there any time? Anyone got one for me? One story where just like, I can't believe he did that. It was so selfish. <laughs> was there any time where he just poured evil out on people? Because he's just sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. Was there any time where he just gave someone sickness to teach them a lesson to be patient in prayer? Was there any time where he just like destroyed someone's business to teach them to not be proud or whatever? Is there any examples of that? Anyone got any? I can't think of any. <laughs> and that's God. You're seeing the heart of God when you read the Gospels. That is Him. There's no difference. Jesus is the representation of the Father. Jesus is good. Jesus represents the Father. <clears throat> Don't get confused in the Old Testament when God's pouring out wrath. He said He had to. If you sin, you die. The wages of sin equals death. We live in, in the covenant of sin and death. You sin, 
you die. You don't live with God, who is the source of life, then you get death, right? That's what happened. But God didn't want that. Do you know what he wanted? Crush his son. <laughs> How do you know that? Because of the life of Jesus. You watch the life of Jesus. God pours out wrath on no one, even those who are found guilty in sin. When, when, when Jesus meets the woman who gets caught in adultery, literally caught in the middle of adultery, in the middle of sin, does he throw a stone at her to judge her? No. He could have. He could have. By his own declaration. He's perfect. Yeah. Injustice. He could have. The law actually said, you should stone these women. Jesus would have just been following the Bible. Does he, do, does he follow the Bible there? No. Because God didn't want to write that part of the Bible. He did, but he didn't. It wasn't his heart. His true heart was to crush his son. That make sense? So he'd get back to you. His true heart's just the garden. Recreate that. Make sense? Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Now remember, the point of this talk, don't forget, your heart must understand and believe that God is truly good. Your heart must understand this concept. You can't just breathe through, oh yeah, God's good, God's good, yeah, I get it. No, 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 no. See how as I'm talking about this tonight and as I'm bringing it up, you're going, yeah, wow. So you've got to live there. God, you're always good. I know you can't be not answering my prayers right now because I didn't pray hard enough. It's just not part of your character. See that? That makes sense? <coughs> okay. You might have heard a talk like this before or you might have heard the sentence that God is good like a hundred million times. But the point of this talk is to break down people's demonic arguments that go on in all of our heads that say God isn't actually that good. And I think that's Satan's favorite lie. <coughs> really all that will happen at the end of the day is that God's going to prove his goodness. God's going to destroy evil because that's what goodness does. That's what the police do. They're to destroy evil, right? And bring goodness. God's the same. Destroy evil and bring goodness. And then everyone go, ah, oh, the serpent was lying the whole time. He tricked us all. Damn it. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Just don't believe the lie. It's so easy to live here. Even after this talk, you guys will find it so easy to live in this heart. But why does he let this... Why do you... Why? Why does he let this stuff happen? And you find it so easy to just point the finger. That's dumb. You have no ground to stand on. None. You've just been lied to. That's it. You've just been lied to. Jesus is the revelation of the Father. These thoughts would never have gone through uh, Jesus' head. Do you guys understand that? And you have the mind of Christ. He can put his thoughts into your mind. Okay. You cannot listen to these lies. You cannot believe that God is only as good as the life you see around you. That's a key thing. But if God's good, explain life, Nath. You're, you're, you're trying to connect things that aren't actually fully connected. That makes sense? God and life. They're just not. Earth is not accurately reflecting heaven and God's will. It's starting to, as the church is becoming more made manifest into the image of Jesus, there's elements of this culture right here, right now, modern day Australia, that represent at least partially the kingdom of heaven. There is. There's good and fair business happening. Is that part of the kingdom of heaven? Yes. There's actually, we can actually do things here to represent heaven. Does that make sense? But just because life is bad doesn't mean God is. That make sense? Okay. Um, 
You cannot believe that because evil has come against you or your friends slash family and ravaged your lives that God is somehow guilty and needs to be charged. Right? Do you not realize that so much of what happens every day on the earth isn't what God wants? So much of what happens every day on the earth right now, this second as I'm speaking, is not what God wants. There's horrible things happening on the earth and it breaks God's heart. He didn't will it or allow it to happen. We did. It was under our watch. It was under our dominion. Um, And if you're wondering more about the whole dominion topic, it is true that Jesus has got won back all authority and he gives it to us. So as we grow and live in him, we can actually pour his authority out, his dominion out on the earth through faith in Jesus, right? That's a topic for another time, but that's still a thing I, should, I feel like I should say. Um, do you guys not realize that God wants everyone to be saved? And that's a Bible verse. Mm. 1 Timothy 2.4 God desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of him. God desires all men. Every single person on the earth right now. Yeah, all of them. <coughs> all of them. He shows no favoritism. He didn't pick some people for that and the rest. So yeah, whatever. It's all of them. Everyone's name is written in the book of life, right? You can get your name blotted out of the book of life, but it was still intended that you were written in the book of life. Mm. Everyone. Hard to believe when you look at life, not hard to believe when you understand the heart of God by looking at Jesus. It's actually part, part of this is where you put your focus. Are you just reading your interpretation of God through the life that you live every day? Because if you do, this is easy. You can just stay here the rest of your life. Accuse God all you want. It's very easy to justify. Everyone does it. <coughs> it's one of the first things that people say when, they, when you try and tell them about Jesus and they have a bit of resistance to it. Well, then why is there evil happening? It's so easy to say that. It's built upon this foundation of lies. I hope you guys can see that tonight. Um, yes, yeah, so that's why when these thoughts come into your head against the goodness of God, they need to be deconstructed, broken down because they are lies. You must process through these thoughts. If you genuinely don't think that God is good right now, that's okay. Just process through it. Why don't you think He's good? And then go into the life of Jesus and see if you can match it up. Um, You must process through these thoughts and truly set up God is good as a foundation in your life. It's absolutely essential and comes as a prerequisite to so much more spiritual growth and breakthrough. You will find that after you just go, no, I establish in my life that God is good. I just believe that. I can see it in Jesus. So many other topics now that I reckon God's been wanting to release to you for so long can now come through because you finally look at them through the right lens. That makes sense? You can finally see it. You're not, he's not trying to get something from you anymore. Does that make sense? You always thought he was trying to get something, but he's not. He just wants to bless you and love you. Hope you see that. Otherwise, else, like, sorry, or else why did he send his son? If his heart was not to love and to bless you, then why did he send his son? I'm just curious. If you're really going to try and argue me that he, he doesn't love you, he doesn't like you, he doesn't listen to your prayers or whatever, then why did he do this? I'm just curious. What is the argument that you're building that on? Because I bet it's probably through life experience and not through the scripture and through relationship with God and through Holy Spirit and, life, and the life of Jesus. I bet that's where it's coming from. <clears throat> As I said, you will not grow close to God if you don't trust that he's good. You'll always keep yourself guarded in your heart, never completely opening up your heart because you're not sure you can trust him, right? But if you think you can't trust him, then why did he send his son? 
Why is he this character, but yet you still don't trust him? Why can't you fully let him into your heart? It's because you don't see this clearly. That make sense? You just don't fully think that he's good. You just think he's trying to get something from you. You must know that he's good and that he loves you deeply. <sighs> now, when these thoughts come back against you, um, as you journey through this topic, always keep this line in balance. Always keep this line in your head. Because you're going to find that this is much easier to think about. As I've been saying all night. I just want you to keep this line in your head. Well, if he's evil, then why did he send his son? Why did he do all that stuff? Because it's very easy to forget that line. It's super easy to remember this one. Um, yeah. Truly, the goodness of God can be most clearly seen in the crucifixion. It is almost stupid how selfless and loving God is in crushing his son. His love is beyond what I can even speak about right now. There aren't actual words for it. It doesn't exist a place in the English language for me to be actually able to tell you how good his love and his goodness is. That's reality. That's actually true. God is actually like that. <laughs> you may not live there in your mind every single day, but I think deep down most of you know he really is like that. It, it, it kind of feels right when you hear it, right? Like, yeah, that's so awesome that he's like that. That makes sense. I like that. That's what happened when I first learned about this like, the topic of God's love. I was like, man, this goes such a long way to proving that God's real to me. And I couldn't explain it to anyone else, but I was just like, that feels so right to me. That the heart and the core of this life, the original intention behind all of everything, I know it sucks now sometimes and whatever, but I bet there's love and goodness at the core of it. Because I have such a deep desire for that. And everyone does. <laughs> yeah. Always remember that just because there is evil in the world, that God's heart is absolute purity and goodness. God himself is working his bride, working with his bride to break down the influence of evil over the earth. God is trying to destroy the evil. He didn't allow it in. He's not there defending it. He's trying to destroy it with us, with the church, with truth. See how lies break down tonight? As I just, all I did is speak the truth. I just told you what the Bible said. And you go, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And it sets you free and free and free. God's doing that all across the earth right now. <laughs> Through the truth. Truth sets you free, Jesus said. Um, by reconnecting us back to him as we were in the garden and removing all the effects of sin and death, God's goodness breaks all expectations, exceeds all possibilities and smashes through all lies of hopelessness and despair. If you partner with Holy Spirit to let him work this in your heart, you will be led to a place of not just saying, oh yeah, God is good, but exploding from your heart at the goodness of God. I'll say that last bit one more time. If you partner with Holy Spirit to let him work this into your heart, you will be led to a place of not just saying, oh yeah, God is good, but exploding from your heart at the goodness of God. Does that make sense? That's all I've got time for. Do we have any questions? <laughs> Yes, Sarah. Uh, so if someone asks um, if God's good, then why is there evil in the world? And then you say, or like, you could, um, and then you say, um, if God is evil, then why would he send his son? And then they say to you, well, I don't believe that Jesus is the son of God. And you're like, what do you say? Because, mm. like, 
can't accept the pattern sure. of that saying if they don't believe. Like it's easier to yeah. say to a Christian, but yeah. experience a lot more complications mm-hmm. if you're saying it to someone who's not a believer. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, yeah, no, that's that's a great question. I definitely meant this in terms of a Christian context. Otherwise, oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make much sense because they probably don't believe that anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think with that situation, you probably would just have to work to a point where you can say, this is what the Bible says and start telling them about God. And when you feel like you have a platform to say, and this is who God is, then you can share that. But maybe they might even be like, why do I even believe, believe the Bible? That's why it's a difficult question to answer because there's so many different things you can go back on. Yeah. It's really, you're asking an apologetic question in a sense. I don't know if you know what apologetics is, but it's like basically defending the faith. It's about the historical evidence behind Jesus, the, the, the manuscripts that we have of the scriptures, all that sort of stuff. So if you're asking a question like that, I'm a little bit like, well, if someone's engaging me with, with apologetics, I'm probably not gonna talk to them about the crucifixion because likely the foundation that it's built on, they don't even believe. Mm. Does that, that make sense? So I don't know if what I said just help, helped you at all, just made it more confusing. No, okay. Is it all right? Yeah, no, you said like talk about the Bible and talk about who God is. Yeah, I think I'd start there. Yeah, yeah start, start with a bit more basic concepts that people can out in the world can engage with a bit easier. And then when you find that it gets to a point where it's like, okay, cool, so what does the Bible actually say? Now that's a good platform. That means you can say, well, actually, the whole point, the whole center of the Bible is where God actually sent his son to be crucified for our sin, right? Now you have a platform to talk about this, and that can challenge this. Does that make sense? Hopefully that helps. <laughs> good question. Okay, good. Hopefully they've got a sore ankle so you can pray for them. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just pray for them and I'll just be healed. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people do without yeah, actually. Question that. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So I think you can use your own experience in life with God. Mm. And, you know, someone asking a question like that, they're wanting to know. Yeah. They might be picking an argument, but to me, that shows someone who's, who's uh, seeking truth mm. yeah. and seeking God. Yeah. And I think it's an opportunity actually talk about your own walk with God and not going necessarily to the head part because you know you can talk about mm-hmm. the, the head stuff yeah. and yeah. if you don't know, if you know that stuff then that's awesome but if you don't yeah. then you talk heart with them yeah. because you can say tell me when you've seen that you don't think God is good mm. tell me a situation that, that's happened because you no doubt have some tough stuff Thanks, Angie. Yeah. I actually watched a video that like someone posted something about like 
they were talking about it, and I was like, how can God be so good and evil at the same time? There's no, mm. there's no barrier. There's no, yeah, 50-50 plus. You know what I mean? It's a pretty controversial topic out in the world, <laughs> even within the church. Yeah. Uh, any more questions before I wrap it up? Yes. <laughs> Did you put your hand up? Or you, no. She just knew. Oh, thanks, brother. You're a legend. What happened? I missed it. Did she prophesy over you? That's awesome. Now you're exposed. You have to ask. <laughs> Imagine it's like some personal question. <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> His goodness is so big and it's so scary. Like, how can I say this? Mm. I feel like, okay, the other week I was spending time with Jesus mm-hmm. and I was sitting on my balcony and I was literally just like, God, you don't take anything from me. Like, even when I spend time with you, it's for me so that I can be benefited by what you give me. You never take, you never want something from me. Mm-hmm. And so, me knowing that and me having that revelation i was just like this makes me feel uncomfortable because it's like Whoa. yeah because it's like nothing like i'm just not used to that in the world and that's what mm. i grew up in i feel like everybody grows up with yeah people who absolutely are just taking from them 